0: We are delighted to be joined by author David Murray. Hello and welcome to Exposive Word David.
1: Hey David, great to be with you. We're going to have lots of confusion today with two Davids,
0: so <laughs> uh,
1: hopefully we'll keep it we'll keep it straight who's who.
0: <laughs> yeah. Before we talk about your new books, tell us a little bit about yourself David.
1: Well, as you can hear, I was born in Scotland. I was yeah. raised in Scotland and I uh, served in a couple of churches in Scotland till I was, well, about 40, early 40s? Yeah. Uh, 2007, came over to the US, I called to serve in Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, and I've been teaching there for 13 years, and I'm just about to leave and return to pastoral ministry, which I'm really looking forward to.
0: Ah, excellent. So how did you become a Christian?
1: Um... Early 20s, I, I've i been raised in a Christian home, but as many of us sadly went through a period of quite a lot of rebellion in my mid to late teens, early 20s, left home really very ambitious, pleasure-seeking, but I, I suppose I would say God gave me a crash course in worldliness, mm. and I'm not blaming God for that, but yeah. all my own fault, but mm. he did use my sins to show me the emptiness of Mm. Uh, that kind of life and the ugliness of it and destructiveness of it. So uh, God used a few providences to really uh, turn my uh, heart to himself and started reading my Bible again, started praying again. And over probably a few months, I just had a real encounter with Jesus, I think you would say, through the Word, not anything like visionary or audible, but just as I read the Bible and prayed, it just, Jesus was very real, very personal, very close and very gracious to me and revealing mm. himself and, and um, really changing my heart and, and giving me a love for things I hated and I hated for things I previously yeah. loved. Yeah. And as, all I can say is it's <laughs> all of grace.
0: Yeah. So good, David. Along with Crossway, you've come up with this genius plan releasing these complimentary books, meaning that you get two sales for the price of one. Congratulations, that's (laughs) genius! (laughs) So, tell (laughs) us, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, actually, we set out to
1: write just one um, a book on teen anxiety and depression, but as I did so, and I was writing mainly to teens, I just there was so much I wanted to be able to say to parents that I didn't want to pack into the the teen book and you know, you'd end up with a huge book and teens wouldn't read it and it wouldn't wouldn't help anyone and yet parents are just so vital for helping teens out of anxiety and depression. So the, over over some months we realised let's let's try this, let's do this and try and write kind of overlapping chapters, different yeah. material but same subjects so that parents, stroke pastors, stroke counsellors could Work through the
0: book of the, with their teens who were struggling. Yeah, that's a great idea. So, tell us, tell us about both books, then, David.
1: Well, um, I, I've been involved in trying to help people in general with mm. anxiety and depression for a number of years. I wrote Christians Get Depressed to the Happy Christian, then wrote Reset, which is really addressing depression and anxiety as a result of stress and burnout, which we're seeing a lot of. Yeah. I, and, and as I did so, I was getting approached by teens and parents and pastors of teens, saying, "Have you got anything specifically for teens?" And and I didn't. And as we know, teens are not going to read big books and theoretical books. So um, the the publisher Crossway also told me that they'd been getting a lot of requests for books on this subject. So it sort of all came together. The the publishers' needs and the area i have been working in and people's requests and so I just started writing and just started I tried to use I've tried to use case study scenarios so it's not all very systematic and logical and theoretical but very real very personal vignette yeah. stories of kids who suffered in, in various ways and and how they got out of it and with each chapter, there's a, a section of practical helps, a verse to memorise, a prayer to pray. So that, again, it's it's trying to help teens move towards the practical uh, outworkings rather than just discuss a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. How did your experience of being a teenager help you write this book?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I was not a Christian when I was a teen, far from it. Mm. And I didn't, when I, when I was going through my teens, I didn't think I was depressed or anxious. Looking back now, sort of like 30, 40 years on, I think I probably went through periods of depression, yeah. probably not anxiety, but depression, and was pretty kind of miserable and sad and angry, as as guys tend to be. They, we don't tend to weep a lot, but we we do get angry. Mm-hmm. And and I believe it was I believe it was God striving with me and convicting me of my sins, making me see the misery of the sinful life I was leading, but still thinking that there was joy and happiness just around the corner of the next sin, and there never was. So. Yeah, I write about myself in one of the eighteen chapters in the book. I am doomed Dave yeah. <laughs> if you'll pardon the alliteration. <laughs> um where I, I talk briefly about how I had that sense of I'm um, you know, I'm a sinner. I, I mean I was going to church although I wasn't a Christian, I was hearing sermons that worried me and mm-hmm. felt very condemning and, and just you know, I, under this sense of boy, if I die, I am doomed. Yeah. And yet you know, again, I go on in the chapter to speak of how God brought me out of that and it gave me a new joy and peace and hope that I, I just want every teen to have, and not just teens but people too.
0: Mm-hmm. Your book shares helpful statistics about the rise of anxiety and depression among teenagers. What do you think are some of the reasons behind these increasing numbers?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that actually this week, David. I've been putting out some videos on Facebook and um, there's also a website, whyamifeelinglikethis.com, mm. and just looking at the causes, and I've tried to I've tried to sort of put it into four categories, and um, the first one is um, instability. I think there's been a ton of social instability, family instability, sexual instability, mm. a real um, I know just the world's turned upside down for a lot of teens. A lot of the things that were very stable and certain when I was growing up are no longer like that. And I think it's it's had a deep existential effect on a lot of teens. And it's not that they can put their finger on it, but I think a lot of the uncertainty and instability is impacting teens. Mm -hmm. We also had a look at um, digital addictions. So the, the... Overdosing on digital technology—the amount of teens who are spending way too much time on this—and it's really, actually, it's, it's damaging the brain. It's, it's, it's taxing the brain. It's exhausting the brain. The brain never gets any downtime. And then, thirdly, we look to unrealistic expectations. The, the amount of pressure on teens from parents, from schools, from churches, from employers, from peers, from social media mm. and then just today actually I've just finished filming it a few minutes ago, i yeah. will be going up later tonight um, the the spiritual causes uh, which of course as Christians we're especially interested in although the devil uses these other things to impact us spiritually as well, you know mm. instability mm. digital addictions unrealistic expectations, but there are some very specific spiritual causes. You know, you've got things like just the, the no certainty. A lot of teens have have given up, as it were, their faith mm. and, and what have they got instead? Well, instead of a, of a life of um, certainty and conviction, like there's no truth, there are no values, there are no ethics and I think that's incredibly destabilizing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: although, again, a lot of teens don't realize it. Yeah. Um, I think no no faith. If people don't believe there's a God, you kind of think, well, what's the point in living eventually? you know, mm-hmm. Am I just here to get more money, get more stuff, and then die? I think that's extremely depressing and, yeah. and angst-inducing. Yeah. Um, I think also you've got you know the lack of uh, a purpose, so when, when teens have no God, no Bible, you know they've, they've got to be asking, why am I here? Is, is, this, is this all there is? They, they don't have any sense of value. They're just chance plus time plus evolution. Then I'm not special. I'm just another animal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of teens have, have no grace in their lives. They, they, they feel guilty. They know they don't measure up, but they try and fix that by trying harder, trying to balance out their baddies with the good ones, of yeah. no hope of forgiveness. Yeah. And I think just basically, to sum up, know Christ. Yeah. Uh, if, if teens don't know Jesus or have a relationship with him, they, they miss out on the, the greatest joy and peace in life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there are, it's multi-layered, it's multifactorial, and we need to address all the issues, but we We'll never get the lasting peace and joy that we all crave without addressing these spiritual causes as well. Yeah.
0: You mentioned growing up that you wasn't a uh, a Christian as a teenager. What are some of the distinctive things about the culture in twenty twenty that make it particularly hard to be a Christian?
1: Yeah, well, certainly growing up in in Glasgow as I did. Well, what we had the Christian faith, and we basically, certainly the part of Glasgow I lived in, there was the Jewish faith. Yeah. And there was a bit, a very small amount of Muslims. Mm. Uh, today, I think our teams live in a much more multi-faith, multicultural world. There's a lot more awareness of multiple cults, multiple religions, everyone claiming to be right, or everyone saying no one's right, and we're all right, and it's mm. just... It's a mess. So I, th- I think that has had an impact. Um, I think the the culture as a whole um, has lost any sense of God uh, growing up. You know, you had the queen and you even had prime ministers. They would refer to prayer and the Bible and Christianity was sort of in the schools. We had assemblies and things like that. And I think a lot of that has gone mm-hmm. and uh, there's really nothing come in its place. I think that the internet has had a huge impact, the availability, especially pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, it's accessible, it's anonymous, it's affordable, and there are no consequences, it would appear. It's become a norm in culture, kids talk about it with one another, but I, that it rewires the brain, it's addictive, it's extremely damaging to mm-hmm. relationships. I think the family instability, there was, I mean, I remember in my school, David, there were very, 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 very few kids who had broken homes. And now I can't, I don't know actually the stats in America, but in, in the UK, but in America, 50% of kids will be going to bed tonight in a home without one of their natural parents. So I think there's just huge cultural, moral, spiritual economic changes that have, have had a huge impact. You can even think of things like the, the global instability, the, the Great Recession of 2008, the 9-11. Uh, all of these things have really gone deep into the human psyche. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not it's not altogether easy to connect cause and effect, but there cannot but be effects when you've had such major causes in in our culture.
0: Yeah. Do you worry about the public face of Christianity in 2020 in terms of if the teenagers today was to go onto iTunes or go into the local Christian bookshop, a lot of the bestsellers are going to be people peddling the prosperity gospel. And of course, these are the The ministries that have lots of money for marketing and they're often attracting or making themselves attractive to attract young people into their ministries via um, you know often attractive worship music and and you know good good looking pastors is that a concern to you
1: I, i think these are great points david the the public face of christianity is a mess really you know, there's there's so many there are so many faithful pastors, faithful Christians, faithful congregations, but they are not the public face of Christianity, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Um they're not the ones that get attention. They don't want attention really. Yeah. Um but those those who do attract them for all the wrong reasons, you know, whether it's sexual scandal, financial scandal, or just you know, as you highlight there, theological error. And I I know that many people are, yeah, of course you want a religion that's going to give you God and money, God and pleasure, God and profit. But, you know, the Bible says really it can't happen. You, You know, you can't serve God and money and so people go in for that but they end up disillusioned mm. they they don't get what they're looking for and it's a bit of a revolving door mm. so you've got a lot of people think oh well I've tried that and it doesn't work or it's just a bunch of charlatans mm. on the other hand we mustn't go to the other extreme like that's what i see sometimes as well the so we we look at you know your Joel Osteens and Benny Hens and all that, and you yeah. think, okay, you know, if they're happy, we're going to be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if they're promoting um, free grace, we're going to promote no grace. Or, you know, if they emphasize um, pluralism, then, you know, we're going to like narrow it right down. And, and we've got to watch that, yeah. that we don't overreact and yeah. let false teachers set the agenda of the church, yeah. but rather you know, get our message from the Bible and apply it to the culture rather than get our message from the culture and yeah. try and find something in the Bible to support it. Yeah,
0: that's so good. So, so true. It's about not throwing a baby out with a bathwater, right?
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: What does it feel like to have depression or anxiety?
1: Yeah, um, it varies. Um, for sure it varies. The... I think the the main difference between the two, and they often overlap, which is a, which is a bit of a strange thing. Mm. Um, the so depression has the symptoms of low mood, loss of interest in things that used to interest you, intense sadness, uh, guilt, which is often false or irrational, mm. sense of worthlessness, feeling suicidal, maybe not wanting to kill yourself, but you know I wouldn't mind if I died. Mm. And it tends to slow people down as well. Um, I think one of the things to note as well about depression is it varies a little bit for, for men and women. Women tend to have lots of crying, whereas men tend to have a lot of anger and irritability. Mm. Uh, anxiety, on the other hand, is it, more characterized by worry mm. and restlessness, tension. People are keyed up. they may be breathless, palpitations, panic, and uh, and yet they overlap. Actually, in 50% of cases, depression and anxiety are together. And, it's because, and, and so they both affect your sleep, your concentration, your energy levels. Both can be caused by the same events, things like trauma, bereavement, ill health, loss of job, and both have been traced to the same... Genes and brain mechanisms. So there are differences between them, uh, but there is an overlap Mm. in uh, causes and and symptoms. That you know you have to exercise a lot of care, therefore, so that you don't misdiagnose, you don't miss one, and and just focus on the
0: other. Yeah. Although it seems like a long time ago, I can remember my teenage years being very up and down. Uh, you know, as you, as you try and struggle with our hormones wow. and, and the extra responsibility of becoming a bit older, how do you differentiate between that typical sort of teenage experience mm. and that of a situation that does need an intervention?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tough one. You you describe it well, there, David. Mm. The, so usually, I try and speak about three dimensions. So. You've got, for example, a, a width of symptoms. So, you know, somebody who's just got a low mood, or a loss of interest, or a bit of sadness, and it's only one of five or six, or maybe two of seven symptoms. That's not enough width for it to qualify as depression. You need to tick more boxes. Yeah. And and then you've got um, length, the dimension of length, how long it's been going on for. Mm-hmm. You know, when I read out these symptoms of low mood, loss of interest, sadness, guilt, yeah. worthlessness, suicidal, slow, that sounds like every Monday morning when I yeah. was a teen.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's not depression. That's just, you know, Monday morning blues. Yeah. Uh, depression really, you know, the, the websites, that doctors' books talk about having these symptoms for at least two weeks. Mm. Um, I think I, I tend to go closer to three or four weeks because. I, I mean I can certainly think of teens that go through two week periods and they're not too far from me at this moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're not depressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so so length of time and then depth or intensity of the symptoms. So yeah, Monday morning blues, you know, we all feel a bit down or whatever. But with depression it tends to be overwhelming and incapacitating so it actually affects your ability to function Mm. Uh, so it's not the kind of thing that you can just push through and okay let's just get going here no it's just impossible you just can't push yourself any further so that's a way i would try and help people in a simple way distinguish between just yeah teenage hormones and cycles as opposed to you know clinical depression
0: yeah sure what would you say to a teenager or parent who is hesitant to see a doctor or seek medication for their anxiety or depression
1: okay so um let's just deal with these in two categories so first of all you've got teens who are reluctant to go to a doctor why is that well i think there's been a lot of stigmatizing of depression and anxiety so they think if I go to the doctor and I end up with this in my medical records, or people find out, people think I'm crazy or mad or you know a psycho, as they say, or mm-hmm. whatever, and and they're afraid of that. Also, it's just hard to talk about these things. Yeah. The the challenge, especially of talking to a stranger. Um, but what I would say to them is that actually, uh, reaching out for help is the biggest step you can take towards healing and there are other steps you have to take but if you can take that step that first step that reaching out and beginning to try and talk to people especially a trained person like a doctor i would say like you're you're almost 50 percent of the way Mm. along the path of Mm. difficulty in in the healing process so and and doctors are used to it you know my wife used to be in medical practice in the uk and she would see, you know, in an ordinary day's work, out of maybe 20 patients, she would see five, six, seven with depression or anxiety. It's very mm. normal. To mm. a teen, it's like, I'm the only one in the world. To a doctor, it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I've seen lots of you already and I'll see more of you tomorrow. Yeah. It's very normal. And therefore, I think that that should encourage the teen as well. And, and the last thing I would say to them is, this is God's provision for you. Sure, there there can be other causes of depression. There can be sin and things like that that need to be addressed and repentance and faith come into it. But God's also provided for our physical needs. And, and in depression at times, there can be uh, brain problems, chemistry, electris- electrics that go wrong. Uh, the depressed brain is, is actually different chemically and electrically under mm-hmm. scans to a normal brain. So... God has provided doctors and medicines to help with that aspect of depression, and so I would view this not as something separate from God, but as the gift of God. And that's what I'd say to the teen, to the to the adult. Say your your son or daughter confides in you. Um, again, don't be afraid. Uh, just uh, take take the professional help that God has provided. Um, the longer that you go without that help. The, the worse it can become the harder it is to climb out mm-hmm. that the sooner you go that usually the the sooner that you will get out and the easier the path out of it as well yeah i i would i would encourage the parent to go with the child at least the first time mm-hmm. and um and just to you know be moral support to them and and just just say look you just try and treat this as, as, you know, somebody going to the doctor with diabetes or whatever, and, you know, well, let's just see where it goes, and don't worry about it. If you look at the stats for depression, you know, about 20% of teens will experience depression. So, mm. you know, one in five, that's every fifth classmate. Yeah. There's probably lots of yeah. people you know with this that just aren't yeah. telling you.
0: Yeah, yeah, so helpful. What role should scripture and prayer play in helping a teen who struggles with depression or anxiety?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on the on the severity of it. So if it's a mild to moderate depression, I would I would want to encourage the teen to to be in the Bible, to be in prayer. Mm. And and that should be our first resort. We don't want to run to doctors and medicines if we don't need to. Mm. And sometimes, you know, especially if it's a spiritual cause, if it's guilt or hopelessness or unbelief, using the means of grace, using Bible, prayer, fellowship, church, preaching, that that can lift us out of it. Mm -hmm. So I'd really want to encourage that um, and um, make that a major part of your recovery. Try and establish Discipline and routine. Often, in depression, you lose your routine. You you lose your discipline. So just start again if you have stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Start small, but make it regular. Start short, but but often. You know, make it every day, same time, same place. Yeah. But if if you are really depressed, it, it can be really hard and even discouraging to to read your Bible and pray because you can't concentrate you can hardly get words together. That's a very serious situation to be in. And and actually trying to make someone like that read their Bible and pray is, is almost like adding to the, the pain mm. and the torture. So mm. for these people in the real depth, I would say get your mom or your dad, your parent, your friend to pray with you and read the Bible with you. Mm. Uh, and get help from your doctors or counsellors and, and let your mind rest. Let your mind repair. And, and in God's good time, he will give you the ability to, to read and pray again as normal. Yeah. But but don't, you know, get legalistic and think, you know, unless I do a certain amount of minutes of prayer and yeah. Bible reading a day, I'm never going to get better. No, yeah. God can look after us when we're sick, when we're unwell, and carry us through these times until we're able to, to get going again spiritually. Yeah.
0: What practical tips do you have for a parent that may have a teenager that is becoming disengaged with their faith?
1: Disengaged with their faith, yeah. I, I mean, you know, a lot a lot of teen problems with faith is related to depression and anxiety. People think the problem is the unbelief. But actually, in, in many cases... The problem is depression, which has led to unbelief. It's very, very rare for a depressed person to have a vibrant faith. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I'm an oxymoron, you know. If you're depressed, your your mental abilities, your spiritual abilities, even your physical abilities are run down. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're if you're if you're a teen and and you've got depression, yeah, your faith is not going to be easy it's going to be much harder confidence in anyone anything is going to be harder so sometimes actually addressing the depression can can have the effect of helping the faith so I think sometimes people get that switched around I know somebody who struggled for a number of years with Mm -hmm. this and they were trying to fix their problems spiritually they wouldn't look at any of the other issues but as soon as they went on no I shouldn't say as soon as but within a few weeks of going on to medication, their faith returned mm-hmm. and their affections for God returned. Mm-hmm. So fixing the, the physical or the mental problem actually led to spiritual recovery as well. Yeah. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it is a spiritual problem and of course the devil is in there and and is big problem and, and causes big problems for faith. Um I, I think you want to try and uh, be sympathetic, be patient, be kind, don't be judgmental. A lot of kids will be really scared telling you mm. that they have faith issues, faith questions, doubts, um, even about the fundamentals, like is there a God, is the Bible God's word. Uh, we've got to create a culture for our kids where they can actually voice these things, not bottle them up, Yeah, actually Bring them to their parents, bring them to their pastors, and not feel terrified, not feel judged. Uh, but that we we exercise sympathy and care, and say, look, you know, there's nothing you can say to me that will make me stop loving you. Um, nothing you say shocks me. Uh, this is part of the the struggle and the battle of life. Uh, I'm here with you. I'm really grateful to you for trusting me with this and sharing this with me and mm-hmm. inviting me into your life. Um, let, let's seek the Lord together. Let's Let's try and look at some of these questions honestly. And then, you know, if you're a parent, maybe ask your pastor, um, you know, what, what books would you recommend? My kids struggling with, with, say, you know, is homosexuality wrong? Or, you know, what, what happens to people who don't hear the gospel? Mm-hmm. Or you know, can I trust the Bible? Pastors have to have books and resources and podcasts available, yeah. you know, at their fingertips to help parents resource their kids with these things. And I, and I, I believe God will bless that and use it. Yeah. What, what he will not bless is us shutting our kids down um, judging them, condemning them that just scares them, it just makes them run away, makes them close up, they'll go and try and find answers from other people who are not reliable yeah. and it will tell them a, a load of lies, so I think just a lot of patience a lot of prayer, don't panic uh, most kids even those raised in Christian homes have times of of doubt and questions and we have to just patiently navigate them through it and Trust in the Lord to 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 perfect his work in them. Yeah.
0: If there's a teenager listening right now who feels depressed or anxious, what would you say to them, David?
1: Yeah, I would say um first of all, um don't give up hope. I know that's you know, when you're depressed and anxious, that is like the essence of it, you're hopeless. But even if you have no hope for yourself, take hope from me because I've seen many people of all ages, including teens, come through this if they use the means that God has provided. And God's provided multiple means. I think I tell 18 stories, I think it is, and mm-hmm. why am I feeling like this, of 18 teens who went through depression and anxiety and who came through it. And therefore I'd say to you, have hope. God, God's got you. God has provided for you. Talk to your parents. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your doctor. As I said earlier, you do that. You're you're a, you're you're probably about fifty percent of the way there. Yeah. When you reach out for help and you begin to talk, you'll find that step itself is just incredibly therapeutic and healing. And then don't rule anything out. You know, don't don't go into this saying, well, you know, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to talk to a counsellor or whatever. Just just listen to the experts, let them guide you, and and ask God to to bless all the means He has provided. And and maybe above all, I would say to you, although this is a really hard time, really hard, um, God will bring great good out of it. Mm-hmm. The, the people i've seen come through anxiety and depression um, have become the most useful christians mm-hmm. i've ever seen yeah. because they are incredibly sensitive to other people's sufferings they're incredibly compassionate they're incredibly sympathetic and and they Been trained through their own painful experience, they've been trained actually to help others. It's like 2 Corinthians 1. We comfort others with the comfort with which God has comforted us. Yeah. And and so God will bring this is like a talent. I know it doesn't feel like that, but it's like a talent that God's entrusted to you, and Mm. He can multiply it to bring forth fruit in your life and in many lives down the road.
0: Yeah. So good. David, thank you so much for your time. You've given us thirty minutes of absolute gold. With this interview so so good thank you
1: well thank you david thanks for your own interest in this topic your own care for teens and uh, the shared desire to see our, our young people come through it and, and mm-hmm. come to to joy instead of depression and peace instead of anxiety yeah. and and there and through it no christ better who who himself went through times of depression and anxiety without sin of course mm but who did that so that we can be delivered as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
1: Well, um, the, the website, like com mm-hmm. that uh, will have a number of videos for teens on it, dealing with questions around the subject. Um, also, I have a website called livingthebible.net, which is a five-minute daily devotional podcast which I hope will help teens. It's a lot of the podcasts are really trying to help teens uh, with applying the word of God to their lives. Yeah. And then I have another blog called headharphand.org where most of my resources go and it's a bit of a central clearinghouse for articles. So hopefully amongst the, these sites, you'll find something to help you along the way.
0: Brilliant. And you're on social media as well. You're on Twitter, aren't you, David?
1: Yep, David P. Murray and on Facebook as well. Glad to connect with you there.
0: Excellent. Well, what we'll do is we'll grab all of those links and we'll put them in the description below this video as well as a link to your book as well. David, thanks again for your time. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, me too. God bless. God bless.